I've asked a special guest to tell me their favourite things about a chosen Doctor Who story. I'm Toby Haydoke, and this is Happy Times and Places. Hello, my name's Dara Carvel. I'm a playwright and screenwriter. Um, I'm the creator of the ITV crime drama The Bay. And the Doctor Who story I'd like Toby to look at is Kinda. Uh, now, Kinda for me is one of the jewels in the crown of Doctor Who. It's a beautiful stained glass window of a story, especially, I think, in terms of both the writing and the performances. Um, and it's of special kind of personal significance for me because after I watched this uh, story for the first time in 1982, when I was 13, I got together with some friends, some fellow Doctor Who fans, and we started a fanzine called Kinda. Um, so Kinda was one of the things that sort of set me on the path of writing. So I owe it a lot. And I just want to talk a little bit about some of the things I love about this story, taking it episode by episode. Well, welcome to my home and to this slightly terrifying edition of Happy Times and Places in which uh, I have to accentuate the positive of a story which is very, very highly thought of and by me as well. But also, unfortunately for me, it's also the story that is chosen by all sorts of clever people for, for clever reasons uh, and and uh, annoyingly, one of those clever people uh, who you've just met, Dara Carville, currently riding high from the success of the Bay, which is on as we speak, as I record this. Um, so thanks to Dara. I'm, as I say, I'm slightly nervous about this, but uh, let's see how we do, hey? Uh, let's see how we do. Um, I'm expecting him to come up with all sorts of clever reasons, whilst mine will be a bit lame and potentially a bit dim. Um, so here we go. Uh, uh, I have it on DVD. Uh, I actually have it on Blu-ray. Why am I watching the DVD? Um, it'll probably be better quality on the Blu-ray, won't it? I'd forgotten I had the Blu-ray, if I'm all honest. So I have the DVD and I'm going to press play now. So, uh, well, welcome everybody. Uh, this is Kinder, the third story in Peter Davison's reign, uh, the third one to be recorded and the third one to be shown, although his first story was recorded after this because they went four to Doomsday, the Visitation, then Kinder in recording order and in broadcast order, Castrovalva, four to Doomsday, and this one, Kinder. I'm I'm not a... Uh, yeah, I know I've got to accentuate the positive. I'm not a fan of the one-word titles. I'd have preferred it to be called Paradise of Doom or something. As a, I wa this, is, this is my stuff that I watched when I was younger. Um, I love these opening scenes between... Uh, what a cast. Uh, I mean, it's inevitable some or one or all of the cast are going to get a mention as we go along here. But this is Richard Todd. Uh, I think the only classic series Oscar nominee, act, acting no, nominee, he was nominated for The Hasty Heart, opposite Ronald Reagan, uh, who was never nominated for an Oscar, but did achieve higher, pur higher purpose. Uh, he plays us uh, in, in, in The Hasty Heart, he plays a Scottish um, soldier who is terminally ill and is brash 
and doesn't make friends uh, and, and, and actually learns that you, you can make friends. Uh, he's a fine and a film, he was a film star, Richard Todd. And I remember him being all over the papers um, when this was on. You know, this was John Nathan Turner's guest starring policy, Flowering. I didn't know who he was. I, I did know um, Neris Hughes, um, but, but Richard Todd was certainly known to the, the adults in my uh, in the environs I inhabited. Um, good move to if you've got too many companions rather than shoehorn them into a story like in The Underwater Menace when there's lots of, where do we go now, Doctor? I where? Yes, tell us, Doctor. All of that. Uh, to go, oh, go and have a snooze. So Sarah Sutton... Uh, with whom I was very much in love at this time. What's this? What, uh, I was I was six when this was on. Seven, seven, uh, seven when this was on. So uh, I had no means of declaring my love, and had I had the means, probably no means of demonstrating it. But nonetheless, um, now the the jungle set in this gets a lot of stick. I think just the very fact that they that they uh, attempted a jungle in 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 the studio uh, on the evidence of that it's it's actually a very decent set it's the it's the it's the problem that you can't ever light it so that it, it looks like a jungle because obviously if you're in a jungle you have shadows and light streaming through various bits and darkness draped over other bits and it would be a lighting nightmare um I I I I I I love the dynamic in the dome, uh, and Richard Todd is perfectly cast as the commanding officer. He's a, he's a particular type, but that helps us ground it in a sort of reality. Is the well, no, a, re, a reality, but it's very much a screen reality. Um, he's 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 very much a sort of type that we know. Whereas Neris Hughes, I think, is absolutely brilliant in this. Um, she was well known to us for comedy uh, and was the district nurse at this point, but she was certainly a, a, a ubiquitous TV face. Uh, but I think she's so good in this with the hardest job. Um, and here's Simon Rouse, who would end up cropping up in everything. He started cropping up in bread and this bits and bobs and, and, and uh, uh, yeah, various bits and bobs before becoming Jack Meadows in the bill, as, who was a sort of semi-regular who used to come in and yell at people because he was the one that investigated dodgy police. Uh, and then he became a regular fixture. And in fact, I think did the last, got the last speech in the last episode of the bill because he was considered, you know, the, 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 the you know, I think he was the longest serving, certainly the most senior sort of cast member and Jack Meadows is a great TV policeman and Simon Rouse is a very good actor um, and he's very very good in this uh, winter gosh they're giant wind chimes this, I live I'm in a place called Chalton in Manchester uh, I mean these wind chimes would make you king of Chalton it's that kind of place uh, if there's a pile of the guardians behind that bush and uh, a hummus stall around the corner and perhaps a yoga cafe uh, the planet of the kinder is very Chalton <laughs> Um, oh, um, so I, uh, oh, this is, this is very, God, I mean, press ups are actually really hard here. We have, um, Richard Todd, who's no spring chicken, but he, look, he's, look how strong he is. He was very much, uh, 
I suspect a very outdoor rugger sort of chap. I've I've done a podcast about his his war service because he he's the only person. Well, no, he might not be the only person, but he's he's in a film where he talks to himself. He's playing his own sort of commanding officer, and this other chap comes to talk to him uh, to get orders. And, and that other chap is sort of the role that that Todd took in real life on D Day. He was a he fought on D Day. Um, a couple of dozen parsecs off home world is everything about why Richard Todd is perfect for this because he's basically an, a colonial and that's the subtext there. This is the sort of British empire doing what it does, going, going and interfering, often led by very, um, a, a particular type of British officer. And in, in these sorts of stories, earth means British. Um, uh, but you also have to make it spacey and sciencey because it's Doctor Who. And to have Todd saying parsecs off home world. So you've got a parsec, which is a, a spacey thing, and then off, which is a, a, a very old fashioned way of saying off, uh, but a, absolutely in the type of those senior sort of army officers. It's where those two things don't clash. They melt, they come together to, to show what the story is doing and why the casting helps with that. And I think it's delightful and I think it's great that they've chosen to, you know, him to do that sort of exercising while he's doing it because it keeps it, it keeps the sort of expositional stuff and the scene setting uh, very interesting. I, I distinctly remember this. So much of this I remember from when it was first on. I very much remember the, 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 the camera uh, going into Tegan's eye. Oh, which it hasn't done now, but it, it, it will do. Um I didn't follow the story at all as a seven-year-old. I, I note that this story, which is now considered a, a high watermark in uh, in scripting of Doctor Who, especially by the clever people, uh, <laughs> um, came bottom of the Doctor Who Doctor Who magazine poll. It, put that in context. It came lower than Four to Doomsday and lower than Time Flight. Um, and I, and I think part, well, I mean, yeah, there's, there's the snake in part four is, is perhaps one reason because, you know, they say leave them wanting more. Ah, um, not leave them with an image of a big pink snake. Um, here, this child at the front wielding an apple with a, a, a suggestion that he's a, you know, he's, he's holding two apples in three apples in one hand, uh, which just goes to show that uh, future movie star Johnny Lee Miller had got Apple acting down to a T, even at the tender young age. Yes, if you didn't know that already, that little boy, the the, the, the one at the front, walking at the front there, is Johnny Lee Miller uh, off of uh, elementary and train spotting uh, and all sorts of things. He's he's back in picture now, just to, just to the left. Uh, uh, and uh, wandering off, there he is. Uh well, well done, Johnny Lee Miller. This actually has quite the... Ca I know it's got quite the cast on paper. Richard Todd, Neris Hughes, uh, Mary Morris in the ne next episode, Simon Rouse. But also, uh, Johnny Lee Miller is not the only illustrious extra that we will see. And I will try to point them out, whilst other podcasters may well be going, well, the thing about the Buddhism subtext in this particular scene, I'll be going, that extra was in London's burning. Uh... <laughs> uh 
they do not this they do this is this is nice um keeping it interesting stuff you know this is just a a, a slightly slow prop advancing on them but but davison gives it a danger gives it an urgency and it just uh, it, it keeps a story that has quite a lot of conversation and quite a lot of static in it and where a lot of the threat is sort of simmering danger it it, it keeps it, it you know it keeps the jeopardy rolling uh is uh <laughs> that's Davis Davison's superb. Um I, I that's that's great with him pointing at the gun because he's unlike unlike Troughton who sort of often feigns or or is actively scared, Davison Davison actually has a, a sort of a, a, a slightly a, a bit of authority that he that he projects through that innocent and, and sometimes slightly quizzical and sometimes slightly alarmed facade there's a little bit of a look don't mess um uh where where this sort of bonhomie this breezy bonhomie and he and and, and he does it again here doesn't he look if we turn out to be Hostile and fair enough. He's so, see, that is so good. I mean, this is a young man as well, uh, and and yet he he projects uh, a wisdom and an authority uh, beyond that very pleasant open face of his. Uh, you know, he's not a craggy character actor, but he's 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 got a lot of hidden depth. This is the stuff I, remember. I haven't even mentioned Peter Grimwade, who is who is, you know, definitely. Uh, in the upper echelons of uh, 80s directors uh, and uh, I mean the work he does on Earthshock an action movie on uh, Doctor Who Studio Day is is exceptional but this is this is a different kind of story and yet he still brings his very sharp storytelling skills um, keeping the atmosphere um, and also getting good performances out of his cast I've seen when I had this on video I got it quite late, actually, because I was in no particular hurry to get it because I'd remembered it as being, well, there's a madman in a dome and a bad snake and some boring savages. And OK, there's the there's the not even boring savage, boring tribes people. Um, and OK, yeah, there's a there's there's the spooky dream stuff that I think is probably quite good. Um, but but I, it, 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 you know, I, I'm. I'm not, I didn't vote in the Doctor Who magazine poll, but I suspect at the time you know there were, there were other things grabbing headlines for me and they would have been definitely you know earthshock and visitation the more traditional uh stories now of course as a grown up i absolutely embrace this i think it's smart and clever and compelling and d d trying to do something so interesting within the 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 confines of doctor who and it works it works as a doctor who story the sort of base commander going mad is a is very much a, a doctor who trope but this makes it well one this does it with, with a with a superb central performance um of that base well he's not the commander either he's somebody who 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 is who is given authority to make a man of him uh and uh you know and uh ends up embodying the folly of of that sort of um behavior um uh but but it was a story i was not in a particular hurry to get so i got it quite late after a few people had said oh no no kinder's the best script doctor who's ever had and i go oh really okay um i knew it, i knew it had a cast that interested me again that i sort of discovered later 
Um, but apart f- apart from the obvious ones, um, oh, extra spotting galore here. So we'll we'll come back to the chess players because these two kinder um, uh, prisoners are perennial extras. Barney Lawrence, uh, who's also Dave Clifford in is it Dave Clifford, Dave Coolshaw, Angela Clifford, and Dave Coolshaw uh, in Time Flight. But he's a Marshman. He's quite a few monsters. Barney Lawrence. Um, but the other one is Mike Mungarvin, uh, who. Uh, is is the sort of Pat Gorman of the eighties, really? He, he he's 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 the trooper who gets attacked by the Dalek in Re- Resurrection of the Daleks. He is a Dalek in Destiny of the Daleks. Um, he gets a line in Trial of a Time Lord um, as duty officer, so he's actually a credited cast member uh, on on that occasion. Uh, but he's also Howard Harvey, the investigative journalist in Doom Lord in the Eagle comic. Uh, so he's had quite an interesting career as Mike Mungalvin. He's won to spot. But this is Anna Wing, Lou Beale from EastEnders, playing chess with Roger Milner, who is a, a great character actor, often played sort of vicars and things like that, uh, who lived in Ludlow, where I was from. My, my brother was at school with Richard Milner, who was the son of Roger Milner. So I always felt like I'd sort of met him, even though I never did, and he's dead now. Um, uh, but yeah, he was he was sort of Ludlow's actor, Roger Milner. So uh, uh, and Jeff Stewart, another alumnus of the Bill, um, Jeff Stewart as Ducker, um, who I remember quite again, who I remember quite well from watching this at the time. He seemed like a sort of charismatic nightmare creature. He's a bit more biting and spiteful now than I remember him being at the time. But it's a great look. Uh, and uh, he's very different to PC Reg Hollis, who, if you've not seen the Bill, is one of the great Bill characters. The sort of very ploddy, uh, pedantic, uh, um, uh, weaselly sort of copper. Great character, great like Simon Rouse's DCI Jack Meadows, but very different. They are they are both uh, definitive depictions of a certain type of policeman. Uh, I think he's quite a character, Jeff Stewart. Um, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I might see if some of the things I know about him are are actually out there in the public domain before episode two. Um, but the, the light, but this is this is great because this is this is not usual for Doctor Who, and you know the chess players are they there? So this is Tegan's subconscious, the chess players representing Tegan and Adric, uh, uh, and then you've got. Um, so you've got those two who are in Tegan's mind. You've got these two prisoners here who are in their own cage. Um, uh, Tegan is in her own mind with the box in the corner. Oh, there's a whole load that's cut. That's the thing. I had this on VHS late. And when I got it, it was episode one, three, four, and then two. And I, I sometimes used to go, can I be bothered for fast forwarding and going back? So I'd sometimes, I quite often watch it out of order. Um, uh, but there's a whole load of stuff cut about them not being able to eat the food, so the eating of the apple. Oh, the apple is very symbolic. Uh, apples become quite important. Um, uh, uh, but actually, it, it the way that they, they play out the we shouldn't be eating apples thing and, and Hindle's reaction to the eating apples, you, 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 know, you, you know from what's in this episode, it, it's done... There's enough there to say, okay, they shouldn't, they shouldn't be eating the, 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 uh, the, 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 the natural products of Diva Loca. Um, uh, but there's, there's a lot more of it. And actually there's a lot more of 
Sanders, quite, Richard Todd, who I think must have cost quite a lot of money, uh, has quite a lot of his stuff cut, and he's he's much more horrible to Hindle. I mean, he's a bit stuffy in this, and a bit and and, and slightly bullish, but he's an active bully, I would say, in the the original cut of episode one. That's that's yes, because I had this, I had episodes one, three, four, and then two, and then a bit later on. I got the extended cuts of episode one and two with the time code on uh, uh, and was pleased that there was more interplay between the people, the people in the dome who I think are very interesting characters. But I actually think, I, I don't think it really loses anything and actually gains from the tightening up. I, I don't like seeing Richard Todd being a more unpleasant version of Sanders actually, although I suppose it does make his change starker because sort of bluff to sort of genial and childish um is is not such a a, a distance traveled as as the sort of bu bullying bullish uh, uh uh character that we get um in the full cut an apple a day keeps <laughs> that's that's very witty uh this is this is this is great i mean he's he he really commits to this simon rouse and it's hard because you can't look good doing madness and you can look really, really bad. And of course, I say madness in inverted commas in sort of um, TV terms. Uh, and and he does rant in places, but he he but it's he but he gets away with it because he dilutes it with 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 the the, the smaller moments. Um, I think he'd probably say now, and if it if it was uh, you know, and if it was done on film, see if this was done on film. You, you could act almost for each shot and you do have continuity, of course, of performance, but the continuity comes in subtler moves because you, you can flick um, from one small movement to another in a way that in, in a sort of multi-camera studio thing, you can't, you have to be a bit more fluid in your, in your changes. Um, so I think he negotiates that really well and I think you would perhaps have a few quieter moments if this was a more of a filmic exercise. Um, but I, I think he does a, 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 a terrific job. Uh, and, and, I, and I do like um, all of these characters uh, within the dome. But as I say, I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't quite, I have to say, I wasn't quite sure what was going on as a kid. Now, what do we say about that? Do we say that therefore it's not doing its job? But it didn't matter because I love Doctor Who anyway. I mean, I when I say I found this a bit, you know, a bit slightly dull and confusing, that's only everything's relative. It was still Doctor Who. It was still the most uh, uh, amazing and magical part of the week. But I think, you know, for me, I think that's a great shot and that that snake piece of music, uh, and he's beautifully lit and he looks very. Uh, he looks very creepy. He's like a sort of nightmarish harlequin, uh, uh, and, and and the makeup that he's got there that accentuates the lighting. It's 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 very very well done. So you know this idea of the mirror capturing their souls and and and, and the suggestion that there's a bit of psychic powers going on. And of course we've got the 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 what is it the double helix in the in the necklace that suggests that they are much more advanced than. Uh, appearances would suggest and you know um that you know the, the the clever idea of of you know what what is what is what what do we consider advanced and actually if they're 
way of life that has stripped away all of the advancements for for a simpler uh, uh, way more more communal with nature is the safer one because it keeps us away from the you know all all, all the dark things that uh, that spring up in your mind in in a in a modern way of uh, life um actually uh, uh, as i'm saying it out loud uh, is actually more profound to me now in this time of i'm recording this during lockdown uh, there's been an announcement today that suggests we might be on our way out so perhaps you're listening to this in the future where we're all gallivanting about licking each other's eyes and uh, 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 touching handrails and all of that sort of business but uh, uh, as I record this the the roadmap has only just been drawn um, but 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 uh, there's a, there's a couple of elements of this. That one about a slightly the slightly simpler life and and, and stripping away, um, consciously slipping away, technology and and ad- advancement again in inverted commas, um, but also the the aspects of, of of mental health, the aspects of being being cooped up. I haven't actually mind being cooped up particularly, but I. I, I certainly identify with the 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 mental health pressures of 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 um, modern life, which sort of Hindle is undergoing in his own way. That that Sanders um, copes with in a in a different way, you know, to make him put him in charge, to make him make a man of him. Those sort of old fashioned views of how we how we deal with fragile people. And now, of course, the debate is whether we go too far uh, the other way and um, show too much. Um, uh, we, we are too indulgent of uh, fragility. Um, my instinct tells me that's the nicer way to be, but um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, now, is this the only bit I don't... I love this cliffhanger. It's, it's great in almost every regard. I just wish that gun was heavier. Uh, and smaller it's it, it's just it's slightly too light you, you can see it's not very heavy and it's slightly too comically large it's like a projector um, uh, and if I had my time again I would go and paint out every aspect, image of those guns and, and replace them with a smaller niftier one um, uh, because uh, yeah, because um, that's and that's the sort of traditional man waves gun at the doctor, but with added uh, sort of psychosis, genuine psychosis. I love the fact that the guest cast get credited before the companions. Uh, I don't know. I, I love the companions, but I love the fact that they go. No, we, uh, you know, the companions, you've got the regular contract, uh, but we've got some serious guest stars here. Um I always thought it was quite confusing that there was um, that Neris Hughes played Todd and there was sort of Todd on the on on her chair, you know. But but Richard Todd was in it too, and it was like I wonder if if during if that was a way of wooing Richard Todd. You say, well, you'll get your own chair with your name on it as well. <laughs> um, but it's very very clever that there's so much going on. Uh, the one thing I'd worried about, which was the jungle. I actually think the jungle's very... It's a very good design. Malcolm Thornton was a good designer. Um, 
But it was, I mean, it's always going to look like a studio. Now, I can live with that because I, I speak a Dolingo. I was, I was brought up with, uh, with, um, you know, Doctor Who on a, on a, uh, made it, made videotaped in a studio. Um, I, I suspect it would look to a modern audience like a load of people standing in front of pot plants. But I, th I, th I think I actually think that jungle set's pretty decent. It's the lighting that's the problem, and that's not a criticism of the lighting director. That's just that's impossible to light to make look like a jungle and and work to be visible to be to tell the story. Uh, I think it's very good. I think I'm going to have to. I think I'm going to have to because I'm going to have to be quite clever with this. Um, not in terms of going, oh, the Buddhist subtext of that, because I'm not sure I can articulate that. I mean in what and when I choose what. So I'm going to say, because if I choose something now that he then chooses in three episodes' time, I win that point because I've got there first. Um, so I'm going to say, because because we're trying to do things that are specific to each episode, but some of those things will, will cross episodes. And do you go, Simon Rouse is Hindle, he's got finer moments later. Do you say, uh, Richard, I mean, every, the, every, almost every performance in this you could single out. Um, uh, so I'm going to go, I'm going to say, to cover all of that, I'm going to say the cast, the guest cast, because it's an extremely strong guest cast. I think it would be a disservice to Neris Hughes to pick Simon Rouse. I think it would be a disservice to Simon Rouse to pick out... I mean, Mary Morris next week is, is absolutely fantastic. Um, Richard Todd, movie star. I, I actually think he has the... Uh, uh, his part gets less interesting as it as it goes on, but it, it sort of needs to, but it needs that presence to be diluted. And as I say, he did have quite a lot of good stuff cut in episode one. Um, but... Yes, please. The guest cast is my choice. So let's see what Dara has chosen for episode one. So in episode one, um, this is really one of the first Doctor Who stories that um, really explores and accesses the world through the eyes of the companion. This is something that we see uh, later with characters like Ace and Rose, and it's become one of the mainstays of the modern show. But this is one of the first times we see it um, through the journey of Tegan into the dark places of the inside. Uh, so uh, the dark places of the inside, the companion's point of view. He's a writer, you see. I suppose I'm a writer as well, but I often forget that. <laughs> uh, see, these things, one is supposed to, it's a podcast. This is, this is supposed to be an advertisement for my skills. I'm a Sony Award nominated writer. I'm, somebody who's written some stuff and sort of got away with it. Uh, Dara has a television series and all sorts uh, but that's yeah that's very the companion's point of view it is quite modern in that regard isn't it I think I think the other thing I, I potentially would have chosen I wouldn't have gone from that although it's a very good observation um, uh, I, 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 I might have gone for the for the dream sequences just because I found them so stark and memorable and because they're so unusual um, and they, they aren't in the next episode as much again a lot of those were cut um, episodes one and two overrun quite seriously and then episode four as we shall see suddenly has a couple of scenes to come from nowhere of um, Tegan and Adric uh, well we we will see um, so I don't get a point for that I think that's a really interesting perspective that Dara has chosen 
um, which means that he is currently winning 1-0 and he does have the power of life and death over me in this podcast so uh, I'm feeling slightly under threat from his uh, intellect and his writer's grasp of all things televisual so let's see if he makes complete mincemeat of me uh, and I have to retreat to the dark places of my insides uh, but thank you for joining me for episode one of Kinder. I hope this does reach you uh, when the, there is uh, we're closer to that glimmer at the end of the tunnel that has been announced today uh, and that wherever you are uh, is well is is you know the wherever you are uh, is a time and a place that is very very happy for now thanks for listening thanks for watching ta-ta thank you so much for downloading and listening to this latest episode of Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest this time around is Dara Carville. Please follow him on Twitter at Dara Carville, D-A-R-A-G-H-C-A-R-V-I-L-L-E. He is a fascinating fellow and an extremely successful scriptwriter, and I'm rather humbled and very lucky to have him. I'm also lucky to have people subscribing to my Patreon page, the latest of whom are David Brody, Richard Chalk, Charles Coffin, Rossi McPhillips, Justin E. Monaghan, Dave Owen, Peter Reed, and not forgetting Ruben Herfindahl. The music for this podcast is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. I'm grateful to anybody who sees fit to fund my nonsense, but if you're so inclined, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash Toby You get your name in the credits now and again, but you also get early access to podcasts and some exclusive material. There's also the chance to just do a one-off payment, if that's more your style, at ko-fi.com forward slash Toby But I know times are tight financially, and I just appreciate you listening, to be honest, but spreading the word costs you nothing. So if you'd like to give this a five-star rating or positive reviews at any podcast outlet that you can, then please do so, because that would really help, and I'd be extremely grateful. Don't forget to subscribe to the official Toby Haydock YouTube channel and you can also follow my stand-up comedy night Excess Malarkey at twitch.tv forward slash Excess Malarkey every Tuesday at 8pm GMT and that's me doing a bit of comedy and introducing some of the finest stand-ups from the circuit. (laughs) 